Okay, we are uh, just sort of in the uh, initial stages of a series on the book of uh, Philippians. If you want to turn there, it's sort of in the middle of the New Testament, and you can find it, and I'll uh, do a little intro before we get there. Um, we're in a series called Enjoy, and we're talking about how God in- intended us not to just endure life, but to enjoy life. Now, a couple of things uh, by way of introduction. One is, did you realize that in two days it's Valentine's Day? you realize that? Ladies, yes. Men, any of you? Um, as a public service announcement to ladies, I'm going to help you understand men a little bit today, okay? Uh, as um, the only uh, brother of two sisters, uh, as uh, the only man in my house with four daughters and a wife, I've been around a lot of women in my life. I mean, I'm accustomed to taking orders. I, I know what it's like. To be around women. Look, I mean, look how color-coordinated I am. Uh, orange socks, little orange. Um, that's from Project Runway. Uh, all the years of Project Runway I've had to watch. So, I feel like I'm somewhat of an expert on some of these things. Now, what I want to do today is, ladies, I'm going to give you some um, insight. I'm going to crack open your uh, husband or boyfriend or dads or whoever. Uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to crack open uh, our brains for you. And I'm going to let you uh, um, see a little bit of how we think, okay? So take this for what it's worth. And please, um, if you don't like it, uh, Chris told me these were okay. So I, I want you to know that. Okay, so a cu- couple of things. This will help you. Uh, ask for what you want. Let's be clear. Subtle hints don't work. Strong hints don't work. Ob- obvious hints don't work. Just ask us. That's important. Um, something else you really need to understand we do not view birthdays, valentines, or anniversaries as quests to see if we can find the perfect gift. Um, we mostly would just like to get done. So uh, that, that's really important. Um, again, um, it really would be inappropriate to throw anything right in church. So um, something you should understand, sometimes we are not thinking about you. You'll need to learn to live with that. So that, that is, uh, that's in the list. When you have to go somewhere, absolutely anything you wear is fine. Really. We don't care. I, I want you to know that too. We really don't care. Um, this, one's, this is strategic and important. We are not mind readers and never will be. Our lack of not mind reading is not, in no way proof we don't care about you. We just can't read your mind. So uh, uh, we care, sort of, but uh, uh, we just can't read your mind. Something else very important. Don't ask us what we're thinking unless you're ready to discuss naval, lint, the gun, shotgun formation, or NASCAR. Because uh, that's kind of what's on our mind most of the time. Um, we don't remember dates, except maybe a national championship. Uh, that's all we remember, those dates. So if you want us to remember a birthday or an anniversary, circle it on the calendar, and the day of, remind us. That, that'll help us. That'll help us. Uh, we have three pair of shoes tops. Therefore... We don't know how to tell you what pair of shoes goes with anything. We have three pair of shoes, so we can't help you. Um, this is super important. This is maybe the most important thing I'll say today. If something we said can be interpreted two ways and one way makes you mad or angry, we meant it the other way. Okay, that's really, really important. This one doesn't apply to me, but it does apply to some men. Whenever possible, please say whatever you have to say during commercials. That's not for me. Not for me. If we ask you what's wrong and you say nothing, we'll act like nothing's wrong. 
we know you're lying, we just don't know what to do about it. So that, that's... Crying is blackmail. That, you need to know that. It's true. And um, last one. Come to us with your problems only if you want us to fix them, because that's what we do. If you want sympathy, that's what girlfriends are for. There you go. Boom. Okay. I'm giving you those ladies because I want you to have an enjoyable life. That, that's true. And guys, I'm doing it for you because you don't have the guts to say it, and I'm trying to give you an enjoyable life. And I did it early in the service because I'm hoping that ladies will forget I said it by the end of the service. So it's kind of, there's some strategy in all of that, but we're looking at this great couple of verses that begin uh, the book of Philippians. Philippians, we talked about it last uh, week. There's a guy named Paul. He wrote a lot of the New Testament, and a lot of what he wrote were letters. He would plant a church, and then he would leave to plant another church. And when he goes other places, it's not as if he forgets the church where he planted. He doesn't forget those folks. He loved those folks. He continues to get information about them. Unlike today, though, he didn't get you know Instagram or, or tweets or anything. But, but word would get back to them about the church that he planted in this town called Philippi, and, or Philippi, it depends on how you want to say it. And so Paul knew what was going on there, and he would write, wrote a letter to this particular church. He wrote letters to the church in Corinth. He wrote letters to the church in Thessalonica. This was sort of his pattern. Start a church, go um, set up the organization of that, go to the next place, start a new church, but write back to that church and give them encouragement. And so this letter wasn't so much nostalgia as it was instruction and it was, it's a thank you note, honestly. One of the things that my wife has been so good to teach our girls to do is when somebody gives our kids something, we basically make them, or we used to make them, write thank you notes because it's really nice to get a thank you note for something that you've given. So this is a thank you note in some regards. Uh, the Philippian church gave Paul some, some a monetary gift that he needed to continue his ministry, and he writes them back, and he encourages them, and he thanks them. And so he begins the letter with these two verses. And this is all we're going to look at today. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, typical sort of a, uh, an introduction to a letter was, uh, we're the senders, uh, you're the receiver, <laughs> And, and then greetings. That's kind of how it works. And it's that pattern here. Paul and Timothy, hey, that, that's who's sending the letter. Um, we are servants of Christ. That's who we are. That's our identity. Uh, to you all, y'all folks up in Philippi, um, grace and peace. Uh, there's a, a sender, a receiver, and a greeting. That's kind of how it works. And right at the very beginning here, it's, hey, this is who we are. This is our identity in Christ. Now, the big idea today is that God provides all we need to live an enjoyable life. Gives us everything we need. Um, Interestingly enough, in the book of Philippians, there's a great verse that says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But right before that, the very verse before that, talks about, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. In any and every situation, I can be content. I can have joy in my life no matter the circumstance, which is really foreign uh, to most of us because we're told we're constantly told that if we have something it will make us happy the key to happiness we're told is to have and then you fill in the blank 
a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife. We're, we're told if we have um, this new car, this type of car, then that will make us happy. If we have this home, it'll make us happy. That we're constantly told that we need something else to provide us joy. You're, you're almost there. It's like that commercial with that old guy that's fishing. Uh, you're going to have to be quicker than that. Uh, you almost have it. You're close. You're, you're on the cusp of joy. If you just had this one more thing, you'd really be joyful. The problem is, you work and work and work, and you, you, you do what you have to do, and you get this one thing, and it makes you happy, but it doesn't last. And then, then, then it's like, oh, <laughs> we forgot to tell you. <laughs> and you need one more thing. Uh, that one thing, that kind of gets you closer to happiness, but you need more. So it's always more, always more. And so the key to real joy in your life, not just happiness, not happenstance, not something that makes you happy for a season, but joy, we're going to talk about kind of how God provides everything we need to have joy in our lives. So let's just jump right in. So God provides, and provision number one is that following Christ gives us purpose. This is a little bit of review, but we're going to kind of, we're going to review just for a second. So he says that he and Timothy are servants of Jesus Christ. We're, we're servants. He gives the name. He gives the purpose. Now, it's crazy important for us to understand that when we know our purpose, it helps us have joy. What are you wired to do? What, 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 what did God create you to do? One of the things I love about watching the people on stage when we have worship is you can tell they really like that. that like they're good at what they do and, and, and they enjoy it. And we, we get to reap the benefit of their joy while they're playing because that's a gift that they've been given. There's nothing like that. Uh, you get to see people uh, living out their passion. It's, it's a cool thing. We get to see it every week. Now, what we need to understand is there's a purpose for us, but sometimes our purpose gets messed up. It's a thing called sin. Let me show you a verse from Romans. Now we're free from the slavery of sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Sometimes we get sort of sidetracked, we get a little messed up, because our purpose gets skewed. And sometimes we just make, a li- make, you know, make money instead of uh, having a purpose. And the truth of the matter is we're, we're all tempted to sin. Uh, we have a purpose and God has a way, but sometimes we sin. And that kind of messes us up. It gets us off track and everybody, every person has an ability. In fact, we have a nature that we have from childhood, from birth, called a sin nature. Now, some people don't believe that, but I'm going to give you uh, proof positive. So l- let me tell you a story. There's a place called Lakeville, Michigan. They have this um, sort of a festival every year. And, and in the festival, they have you know, like a Miss Lakeville pageant. And they have a, um, a, something called the Beer Brats and Bingo Night. That sounds like fun. And they have the carnival. And then they have the Baby Crawl 10-meter race. Now, you'd think, how, how controversial can the Baby Crawl 10-meter race be? Well, let me read it to you. The 2015 winner, 10-month-old Berkeley Bailey, was disqualified as the winner of the Baby Crawl 10-meter race. Berkeley crossed the finish line as the uh, clear winner. 
Uh, but moments later, event organizers huddled, like they do, you know, like in basketball where they have to huddle, and then stripped her of, her, of the, the first and only title of her young life, 10 months old. Judges ruled that she actually pulled herself forward, which isn't technically, according to them, crawling. Organizing president Diana Niemeyer explained to the local newspaper, because it's that big a deal, that the rules were established to make the competition fair and give everyone a level playing field. Berkeley's mother protested. Uh, that's the only way we've ever seen her crawl. The doctor said it was a crawl. But Miss Nehemiah said the issue first arose in 2014 when a, a baby crawled like a bear on his hands and feet. And he finished first but was also disqualified. So, point of the story is Berkeley Bailey is obviously a criminal uh, from 10 months old. She is a cheater. Uh, she's a cheater. I mean, that's how she cheated. That's how she won. Uh, she's probably destined to play basketball for Duke. Uh, that's uh, that's kind of how uh, it, it works. You know, sometimes the Lord just gives you stuff, and uh, you got to go with that. That's kind of how it works. Okay. All right. Now, we have this sin nature, and, and Paul writes this, and he says, we, um, we were slaves to sin, but now we're bond servants. We... we Give ourselves into servitude to Christ. Now, there's a difference. We talked about this last week. There's a difference between a servant or a slave and a bond slave. Because a slave was bought and paid for and you had to do what the owner tells you. A bond servant was somebody that determined they wanted, their, their time of servitude was over, but they determined to stay with their master because the master's treatment was, was so good and pleasing and that sort of thing. Now here's the thing about following a master. I'm going to give you a couple things. Uh, the bond servant, the master gives us the task. Our master gives us the task he wants us to accomplish. One of the coolest verses in scripture is Ephesians 2, 10. And it says, we're God's handiwork. Some translations say we're God's masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now there are really two crazy important uh, expressions here. Number one, you are God's masterpiece. So, so many people have such a low, um, have low self-esteem, like you don't feel good about yourself. And I'm sorry for that because Scripture disproves that all over the place. You're God's masterpiece. I, I mean, you are intricately made. He's known you from the womb. I mean, he, he has had you, uh, you're the apple of his eye. Your picture is in his wallet. I mean, he loves you. You're his masterpiece. But more than that, that's really cool. He also created you with a purpose to do good works, which God prepared in advance. He had a plan for your life from the very beginning. You are a masterpiece. I just think that's really important to understand. And Rick Warren explains what, he does it kind of, I think in a really cool way. He talks about how, we, how we're gifted or how we're, he talks about how we're shaped to do certain things. And, and it's an acrostic. We all have certain spiritual gifts. Yours are different than mine normally. We all have a heart for something. Uh, we, we get, you know, when we hear that, it kind of stirs us up. We all have certain abilities. 
Some of you are carpenters and some of you can't drive a nail. Some of you are, are great cooks and some of you would kill us with your cooking. I mean, uh, some, it's just how it works. Some people have, di- different people have different abilities. And then you have a personality. I'm an introvert by nature, which is interesting to people, I think, at times. And, and um, sometimes they're extroverts and, and different people have different personalities. And God created us with those attributes. And then we all have different experiences you have experienced life in a way that I haven't experienced life. And when you talk to people, what's really kind of cool is you can sort of see this. Hey, they have a, a heart for something. They have a, a gifting towards something. They have abilities in this area. They have a personality that lends themselves or her, his self or herself to do that. They have experiences that are different than mine. And, and God uses these things. Remember, it says we are his masterpiece created to do these cool things. He, he uses this to accomplish what he has created you for. Here's a truth I think we really need to get our minds around. We've been divinely created to accomplish things that God has planned. You have a divine assignment. God wants you to do something that only you can do. It might be in your family as a father, as a mother. It might be at your work. It might be at your church. Um, it might be in your community. It might be in your neighborhood. You might maybe God formed you to be the greatest neighbor that your neighbors have ever had. I, I, I don't know what the design or or what the plan is for your life. I just know that from the beginning of time, God had these plans. So number one, our master gives us a task. Number two. He provides for our needs. I love this verse. God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory. God has these resources and he supplies these resources. And as uh, servants, they were provided with food and housing and clothing and and all these things. And and God gives you, if, if God calls you to do something, he gives you the ability to do what he's called you to do. This is good news. It's really Good news. Now, some people, when you get my age, you might say, hey, I've got uh, a notion. I just don't have an, the energy. Uh, I, I have a good word for you, too. Uh, you will have the strength to carry out what God, whatever God call, commands you to do. Uh, that's a good word for some of us. Because sometimes, you know, the Bible says don't grow weary in doing well. Don't grow weary in doing the right thing. Sometimes it gets old. But God says, hey, th- this... If I've called you to this, I'm going to, I'm going to give you the strength to do this. I'm going to give you the ability to do it. Now, it's a matter of trust, frankly. Uh, do I believe, like the verse says, that I'm God's masterpiece? And do I believe that he's called me to do something specific that only I can do? Uh, it's a matter of trust. And when we begin to trust that this is true, as the Bible tells us it's true, then we can begin to live an enjoyable, fulfilling life. Jesus said, I came to serve, not to be served. God gives you these things not just for your own enjoyment, but to serve other people. So Christ has a purpose for us. So provision number one is, He gives us purpose in life. It's really important. It's sort of foundational when it comes to having an enjoyable life. The second thing is, He gives us an identity in Christ. To the saints... In Christ Jesus at Philippi. And we're going to talk about what it means to be a saint. 
Some people, um, again, it's about identity. You're a masterpiece. Here, Paul says you're a saint. And we're sort of familiar with the Roman Catholic idea of sainthood. You know, people become saints, and I think they have to have performed three miracles, verifiable miracles, and then they, the church canonizes them, and there's a process. But this isn't that. When Paul writes to the saints in this church, he's writing to everyone who has become a follower of Christ. In fact, the word saint literally means holy ones. We're, we've been sort of set apart for Christ. It's something completely different than anybody else. And it, it's not what you've done, it, it's whose you are. You're in Christ. To the saints in Christ. It's important wording. So if you've invited Christ into your heart, the Bible tells us that God refers to you or considers you a saint. And you might say, well, I don't feel like a saint. I, I don't feel like that. And I've got really good news for you. You don't have to feel like it to be it. You don't have to feel like a saint yet to be a saint. But sometimes you have to sort of talk yourself into it. Um, Some words that you might want to say to yourself this week when you start kind of doubting yourself or feeling bad about yourself is, hey God, I, I, I heard pastor say this week that God considers me his masterpiece. That God considers me a saint. Because here's the truth about it. The truth is, you're not a saint because you're perfect. Nobody's perfect. And you're not a saint because the church says you are. You're a saint because God says you are. And this is really good news. I get to be a saint. I don't get to be. I am a saint. I, I, I am one in God's eyes. And too often we, we tend to live down to our own image, like our own self-image. Well, we're not perfect. We, we don't profess to be perfect but we do profess to be in Christ which makes us a saint Um, my daughter Janelle she's our third of four I have so many I just number them and uh, number three uh, Janelle likes Pinterest have you all been on that site no men every lady okay great Um, on Pinterest a lot of times they'll take old stuff and they'll make, make it into new stuff? I'll give you a couple of examples. It's kind of cool. Um, that's a cheese grater, isn't it? Anybody? Yeah, okay. Now it's an earring holder. Now that's super cool, isn't it? Books making a, a wall for a library. Now guys, a little, um, a little idea for Valentine's Day. If you're on the cheap, I'm sure that'll go over really well, uh, so you wouldn't have to worry about anything. Now, ladies, if you get that, you might want to give him this, uh, which is... The, the thing about um, these items... They take old stuff that was sort of not good anymore and they make new stuff that's cleaned up and useful. And it's sort of this picture of us in Christ. Because there's an us in sin and it kind of makes us dirty. And then God gets hold of us and He washes us clean and He sets us apart and He gives us a purpose, a new purpose. 
And we become incredibly useful. The, the Bible talks about what a saint looks like. L- look at a couple of verses here. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires because you don't have to live down to your sin nature. You can, you don't have to. God is gracious enough to give us a choice. We can choose what we do or don't do. You don't have to let sin control the way you live. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourself completely to God. For you were dead, now you're alive. So, use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. And this talks about you know, what a saint looks like. Uh, a saint isn't controlled by sin. Uh, a, a saint is in control of his or her body. And the Bible talks about this really very often. Uh, let me give you another example. Run from sexual sin. Don't, don't you realize your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you? Uh, you not, not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So honor God with your body. So uh, we don't have to give in to sin. Uh, we are in control of our own bodies, and we live in the freedom of following a good and gracious Father. We're, we get to experience His freedom. In Romans, it said it like this. Again, this was Paul writing. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold, but let God remold your minds from within. I heard somebody one time talk about a saint is like a boat. The, the purpose of a boat is to be in the water. I mean, really, to fulfill your purpose, the boat has to be in the water. But the water shouldn't be in the boat. Because when the water gets in the boat, then the purpose is ruined. It's not good. You bail because that's not the way the boat was designed. God has a purpose for you. You're a boat. You're to be in the water. You're to be in the world. But you have to make sure that the water doesn't get into the boat. This is the principle. So God gives us purpose. And God gives us identity. We're saints. And then God gives us peace. Grace to you and peace. And we live in a world where there's not... A lot of peace. One of the best illustrations of grace that I could come up with is this. A few months back, I was at a fast food restaurant drive through Because um, that is American and from God. And so I was in the drive through And there was somebody in front of me. And, and um, they paid for their food. And then I drove up. I've never had this happen again uh, before, but this was awesome. And the lady hands me my food and she says... The person in front of you paid for your meal. You don't owe me anything. And I'm like, that, I kind of, I mean, I got a little teary-eyed. I, got, I just kind of got blown away a little bit by that. I'm thinking, man, that, how awesome. That, that is something I didn't earn. I didn't deserve. First thing is like, man, I wish I could thank them. I don't even know who it was. Second thing I thought was, I wish I had ordered dessert. Uh, so I kind of felt a little gypped, but... But I got over that part. The, the, the part. Um, grace is getting something you did nothing to deserve. Um, I receive it from my wife all the time. You know, She, she just gives. Um, we receive it from God all the time. What have we done that we uh, earn it? The, the word shalom means peace. God gives us grace which leads to peace 
And, and instead of in this greeting, uh, a lot of times it would say, you know, uh, Paul writing to, you know, John greetings. But this isn't the greeting he gives. Grace to you and peace. Grace to you and peace. Not from me, not from me, Paul, but from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you. You, you have received forgiveness, though you haven't earned forgiveness. This is a, a rabbinic blessing. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. What's interesting to me uh, about when we call God our Father is that I, mean, I, had, I had a great dad. My dad's been dead about 15 years. I think about him all the time. He said stuff that I still think about. Uh, he, he had these little, um, little axioms of life that I just use all the time. I mean, I, I just, he invested in my life, and he wasn't perfect. I mean, there were times when he, he was passive-aggressive, and I, I, I remember those times, too. I don't remember him as perfect, but I remember how much I loved him and what a good dad he was and what a provider he was and how he set example for me as a dad to be a provider and how he was unconditionally loving of me, and I never felt like I shamed him or anything, even though I did really bad things. He never acted like he didn't love me. But I know that my experience might be unique. And I know there are parents who, and fathers of some of you who were nothing like that. They were judgmental or they were hurtful, maybe even physically hurtful, maybe emotionally distant. And so what people have to come to understand is when you hear that God is your father, if you had a bad experience with a father, it doesn't mean that. In fact, if you had a bad experience with a father, what this is saying is he's the father you wish you always had. He's the father that loves you no matter what you do. He's the father that, like in the prodigal son, he is looking for you to come home. He is the Father that provides perfectly. He's the Father that encourages continuously. He's the Father that you've always hoped you would have. I was thinking this morning as I was reading through the message, and um, as, as a dad, you hope that you've done a job with your, with your kids, and I've got four. I, I hope that they got just a glimpse of what their heavenly father is like. And then I, I think about my mistakes as a dad, and I have had many. And I think, oh man, I hope it didn't you know, mess up my kids because I wasn't a perfect father, and our heavenly father is a perfect father. And it's a challenge for us who are dads because the way our kids see God the Father a lot of times is the way they, it's through the lens of us, how they see us. But our Heavenly Father, he, He's perfect. As many as did accept Him, Jesus, to them He gave the right to be children of God to those who believe in His name. And maybe you had a bad father growing up, but now you can have a Heavenly Father that's perfect. I mean, what you grew up with doesn't necessarily indicate what, what you have now. 
And I think it's really interesting that grace and peace, when those words are coupled together, typically they go in that order. Grace sort of leads to peace. Grace and peace. Because when you realize that you have received grace, I didn't have to earn my Father's approval for Him to approve of me. I didn't have to do something for my Father to forgive me, my Heavenly Father. When I come to this understanding, when I get my mind at least somewhat around grace, it leads to peace. When my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will take care of me. I mean, I, I love, Scripture, man, is just honest. Sometimes your father and mother don't treat you as well as maybe they could have or should have. But you have a heavenly father that will and does. Let me show you a picture. These are girls who live in India. They were either abandoned or orphans. And they received the name, first name, Nakusa or Nakushi. That name in English means unwanted. Can you imagine your first name is unwanted? You grew up people calling you unwanted? It, it is, it brutalizes the soul, if you think about it. So, in this village, central state of Maharashtra-ish, I'm giving it a go, that's about as good as you're going to get from me. They have this ceremony. And these sweet girls, they dress in their best dresses, and they don their... <laughs> nicest outfits and they put bows in their hairs uh, in their hair and and uh, the townspeople give them bouquets of flowers at the this ceremony and they receive a certificate and they get a new name and this is what god does for us if you read the old testament you'll see often that people god changes their names abram becomes abraham sarai becomes sarah Jacob becomes Israel. There, there, this happens often. That you were something, but God gets in your life and you become something new. And there's a verse about this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become new. We're new. The joy comes from the fact that we have purpose and an identity. And because of grace, we have peace in our lives. If you're looking for a foundation of joy, it is these things. Purpose. Identity. I, I'm a masterpiece. And I can have peace because of God's grace that I don't deserve. These are the foundations. And man, Paul starts this letter. And sometimes, I was talking to somebody the other day. They, they said, you know, we, we read these first two verses in Philippians, or these letters a lot of times, and we just kind of blow through them. Man, there's a lot of theological depth to just those two verses. You have a purpose, and, and you have an identity. You're in Christ, and you have peace because of God's grace. 
And this is good news. This is really good news. And I hope you start to see yourself in this light. We're going to pray and then we're going to take up an offering. I'll explain that in just a second. But I want to ask that God just directs you to see yourself with purpose and identity in Christ. And that you can enjoy the peace that he provides for us. Lord, thank you for that message and those words and how you love us and you identify with us. and You've called us to be saints, which is amazing because we don't see ourselves as saints so many times. And you call us your masterpiece and you have a purpose for us. And you give us grace even when we don't deserve it. And Lord, we... We're thankful that although none of us have had perfect fathers, you are perfect to us. I pray, God, that if anyone would be here today that has missed these things, they're they're missing an identity and a purpose and peace. I pray, God, that you would fill our hearts with these things that you would guide us this week to live as people with purpose and identity and peace. Remind us that we are your masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for your purpose. We ask it humbly in Jesus' name. Amen.